Rebecca. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Generally Specific Topics Between Friends. Best friends. Hey yo. So we're still on the general topic of relationships. Mm-hmm. And before we jump into our specific topic, I do have some feedback from last week's episode. This is from my dear, wonderful Aunt Harriet. She had some things to say about marriage, and she knows about marriage because she's done it twice, and I think in ways she got it right both times. Oh. I mean, well, sort of. She married Wade and had two awesome kids, my cousins, and but that was when she was 19, which she kind of attributes to, I was too scared and socially awkward to date, so I figured, let's get married. Hmm. And We've all been there before. <laughs> I mean, we've all locked it down way harder than we should have. Because <laughs> you're young points. and you're like, this is it. Yeah, I found one and I'm done and this is the one. <laughs> yeah. But then she married my Uncle Phil years later, who is super cool, and I think they're just a really good match. And they're still married. But um, I'll just say a bit of what she had to say about marriage. One was that marriage was invented as a lifelong commitment when humans had way shorter lifespans. Oh, so, think about it that way. Yeah, it's way harder to pull off now to be married to one person for your whole life. <laughs> um, and also, she said that she has the very unscientific belief that when you come across the right person to be your partner, you will just know it. Huh. Assuming you're a full-fledged adult. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, she gave the example that her daughter, my cousin Val, was dating a guy before she met her husband, and she was, you know, talking with a friend about it and kind of agonizing about, is he the one? And the friend said, if you're agonizing about whether he's the one, then he's just not. And my aunt said, those were very wise words. So maybe there is something to just knowing you found the right person for you. But what if you found the right person, but they don't want you? Well, then you got to find someone else because <laughs> the right person for you should also be into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the feedback. That was good. I was bad and I did not go around asking romantic life advice yeah. from the people in my life. I was just like, oh, we covered it enough. It's fine. <laughs> so I just didn't talk about it with anyone else. Uh, <sighs> On to our specific topic this week. We, what is it? We kind of, we're going to do two mini topics to fill up this time today. So we're going to go with our relationships with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 very important. And then yes. also completely, you know, opposed to that is <laughs> relationships with coworkers or professional relationships. Relationships mm-hmm. other than the people you choose or are born with. Yeah, people you have to be around. People you have to be around, besides your family. All right, so starting with the self, mm-hmm. what do you have to say about your relationship with yourself? Ooh, Is um, it ever-changing? Uh, not ever-changing, but yeah, I think it's actually pretty consistent. Or my like internal dialogue, how I speak with myself. I want to say since I've emerged from adolescence, I've managed to generally be pretty kind to myself, which is an accomplishment. It is, (laughs) because if you remember middle school, that's when you're just like, you're so 
ugly. Why are you so horrible? No one will ever like you. And that's literally how it is for years. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm I'm fine. (laughs) I mean, hopefully a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess both of us have developed a pretty solid sort of self-esteem, like not perfect by any means, but compared to like the hell that is adolescence yeah, and all that stuff that you think and feel, it's a lot better now. It is, yeah. Thank goodness, all things considered, I would say I have pretty good self-esteem. Me too. Yeah. How do you do? You feel like you relate to yourself in any special ways? Yeah, we've talked about this before. I relate to myself a lot compared to others. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I mean, I'm very competitive, mm. and so I gauge myself on oh. what the rest of the room is doing, or what the rest of my friends are doing, or what the rest of the people are doing, and I just try and use that as a gauge for what I should be doing. Hmm. Like, in elementary school, I remember I started getting super into math and being good at math, and then for, like, a year there, I was really bad at math, and it sucked. And then I got into middle school, and I was good at math again, because I had a good teacher. And it was always a competition. Who had the highest grades, and who could get the answer the quickest? And so... I've always been very competitive, and I'm always like, well, as long as I'm doing better than most people. That's <laughs> that's how I gauge myself. Oh. But it, it, I can't do that. <laughs> I feel like that's how I got up on my self-esteem, was like stopping comparing myself to people around me. That is what the sole purpose, of, or that has been the building of my self-esteem, hmm. has been, I don't know, maybe maybe when I was young it was bad, but it's always been like, well, at least you're like this. At yeah. least I can do this. At least I'm good at this. I do like to feel better than others. Like, that's <laughs> our thing when we run in the morning. It's yeah. like, we're so much better than most people who stayed in bed. We're doing awesome. Yeah. Like, two years ago when we were like, how the frick do people exercise? How do people exercise and then go into work all day? Like, how do you do both? What we do. And we do now. So we are those people that we used to shit on and envy. Yeah, we're like the superhumans. Yeah. So that's that's always been where I focus my energy on is is unfortunately I guess it's probably probably sounds kind of unhealthy, but it feels <laughs> nice to be like, Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah. I don't think you're like competitive in an unhealthy way. I think you're just always like striving to do well in all things. I am. But you're not, I don't know. I don't feel like you fall to pieces if you're not on top. So no, but I do take criticisms pretty harshly mm-hmm. What you know, whenever we go into an interview and they're like, what's the one thing you wish you could change about yourself or what's your biggest weakness? And I'm always like, I take criticism really hard if it's not constructive or if it's like, yeah. if it's disappointingly given to me like I'm disappointed in your performance I'm like but I work so hard on my performance yeah (laughs) so I don't I don't like failure yeah so I just don't let it happen like ever (laughs) because it does break me down pretty bad anytime I've ever tried something or done something and not excelled at it or not at least been average at it yeah that hits me pretty hard yeah like, there are a few things I accept. I'm like, oh, I suck at volleyball. And that volleyball, sorry, <laughs> habits. And it doesn't really bother me that much. But there are some things, if I'm not good at it, it will really bother me. You don't lie awake at night wondering why you're bad at volleyball? 
No, because I'm better at it when I'm not in a team. Mm. <laughs> but I remember uh, I had to learn how to play Gin Rummy, I think is the card game, uh-huh. in Michigan, like, a million years ago. And everyone was, like, they explained it to me a bunch of times. It was my family, and they were not good at explaining it. And mm-hmm. we kept trying to play it, and I was just not understanding it. Yeah. And I was getting really frustrated, and they wouldn't let me not play. When was this? I don't know. (laughs) But I was, like, getting pissed. And I I remember my mom, I think, was getting mad at me, like, frustrated. Like, it's not that hard. And I was like... (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're not good with failure. Your mama didn't let you. (laughs) No, my mom didn't let me. But usually she's not, like... Usually she's not like that. But she was like that at me, and I was like... It is that fucking hard. I don't understand what you're saying. But then I got it. It started to make sense, and then it was fine. But for a little bit there, I was very upset. Yeah. (laughs) That I couldn't figure out how to play gin rummy, and they wouldn't let me not play. (laughs) Well, I feel like we would be amiss to discuss our relationships with selves without talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. Because that is, you know, the lens through which you view the world greatly affected by your mental health. Yeah, like, how can you have a proper relationship with yourself if you're going through some sort of mental health crisis? It's not going to be what it ought to be. I mean, I would say most of the time a big part of depression is you feel just real bad about yourself. Yeah. So, mm, it's hard. It's hard. Any sort of mental health issue you're going through is going to be detrimental to everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, just trying to do anything if you're having, like, a bad mental health day is rough. It's really hard. Yeah. But, Mm. I don't know. I feel like good self-talk is important. Like, I don't know, my mom used to always do this thing that I thought was really cute and funny. Which, she was a counselor, so this might have been, like, a therapy trick. But if she wanted to change her idea about something or, like, assess, she would do this, like, self is that how you should blah, 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 like <laughs> literally out loud talking to herself and calling itself. You know, I just always thought it was the cutest thing. That is cute. So I don't usually do it out loud, but if I feel like I'm approaching something wrong or doing something stupid, I'll just be like, self, <laughs> what if we tried it this way? Or, you know, <laughs> that's funny. No, not at all. Like how I handle my problems. Anytime I'm yeah. starting to get down on myself about something I, it's always like, <sighs> better than everybody else, though, <laughs> or better than better than most people, or at least it's not like this. Like, I guess yeah. it's like half gl- glass, half full, <laughs> half glass full. <laughs> that's what I'm like. I'm like, well, poop, but it could be worse. Yeah, like, that's that's always gets me out of it. Or the other thing I always tell myself is I'm just like, given enough time, all of this is going to get better. Time heals all wounds. Everything will just fade away over time. And time and time again, it is true, so I will keep believing it. Time after time. Time after time. Yes. So that's very, very different ways that we talk to ourselves. (laughs) I guess, I don't know. I never directly talk to myself. Most of my thoughts are just more of feelings and less like words. Mm. So I think that's probably the only time is when I'm like, 
time will make it better. I mean, I tell that, to, I say, this too shall pass. Yes, yeah. this too shall pass. And then I think about, you shall not pass. And then... <laughs> and then you have a little chuckle and you just feel better. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's how I deal with things. <laughs> uh, what else about ourselves and how we see ourselves? Do you ever remember that you're alive and you look down at your hands when you're alone? <laughs> not... And- not and as you often remember as you do. <laughs> I mean, it's not super often, but sometimes I just look down and then I remember that I'm alive and I'm in this body and I forget that I exist and it's weird. I I don't know. I guess I like think about my presence, but I don't feel like I forget my body ever and then remember it. No, I like forget it because looking out your eyeballs. Uh-huh. You don't see much of yourself. You see bits and pieces of yourself. You can see your nose, but your eyes make you forget that. Yes. <laughs> it's like that. I forget that it exists. In my mind, I'm just like a floating field of vision. And then I remember that I'm not, and that I have all this, <laughs> <laughs> that I have all this attached to me, and that I'm a person, and other people are people too, just yeah. like me. And they're just minds floating around in bodies? Yes. Yeah, I guess... I don't really ever think of that. No, I think of it sometimes. <laughs> oh. It's weird stuff, remembering that you're alive. I think it'd, it'd be interesting to forget. <laughs> I guess I have an interesting perspective on that. View, or viewers, listeners, <laughs> tell us if you forget that you're in a body sometimes, and then you remember, and then you can't stop thinking. Like, whenever you remember that you have to breathe... And then you can't forget about it for a while, and you have to focus on your breathing. Turns off the autopilot. Yeah, whenever you turn off your autopilot, I feel like that's what I'm doing whenever I think oh, about I these things. Oh, I just lost the game. Ah! <laughs> and so that's did what you. Happens when I think about thinking. Thanks. Metacognition is important in your day-to-day life. Ugh. <laughs> Becca says nay. <laughs> I say, self, stop thinking about yourself so much and just chill. <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty chill most of the time. Yeah. And after college, I would say, like, or I guess after high school entering college is when the self-esteem started to go on an uptick. Yeah. I would say same. I mean, we sort of talked about it in the meat sacks, but, like, I feel like college was the time where I started receiving messages from the media and other people that, like, it's okay to not be a size zero. And that was the first time I had received said messages. So I think that's when I stopped, like, constantly obsessing about my body. Mm. Similarly, oddly enough, yeah, I got I got messages that, like, not having giant boobs is okay. Because for a yeah. while there, I was like, my boobs are too small. I'm going to have to get surgery. There's no way around it. And yeah, then just start saving up for yeah, the boob job. Yeah, just start saving up for the boob job that I'm going to have to have because I'll never be pretty without it. And then over time, I was like, oh, no, people like the way I look. Yeah. Boys are attracted to the way I look, regardless of whether or not I have giant breasts or butt or not. Yeah, I think it's a big thing to realize how other people see you and that there are always people that will see you and say you're wonderful. Yeah, it was weird to be like, you you have such a static notion of what beauty is and Mm -hmm. what your worth is and... You're like, this is my goal, and this is what we want to be, and this is it. 
and there's no straying yeah. from it or you will not be beautiful and then you're like well when you've only received one message yeah. of what beauty is and then all of a sudden you're like oh uh, no people like everything like yeah. it, there's all sorts of different people who like all sorts of things and everybody likes something everybody likes something or like there are plenty of people who like most things and yeah. then you're like Oh, I'm good. Like a, a sigh of yeah. relief. You're like, oh, I'm not hideous. It's fine. Because, yeah, I think that was like the biggest fear coming of age was like, no one will desire me and I'll be forever alone. And that has not been the case. <laughs> no, it has not been the case. And then with that relief, you just kind of forget about it. You yeah. forget to worry about it as much. Because I remember in high school, yeah, I used to ask my friend if my hair was okay Every 10 to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. literally, I'd be like, is my hair okay? Is my hair okay? Is my hair okay? Because I was like, it was frizzy on the top sometimes. And I was constantly putting lotion on the top of my like frizzy, broken baby hairs and like brushing it. It was constant. It was a constant worry that huh. I could not turn off. Yeah. And then you just kind of don't care anymore. I was very conscious in junior high and high school about how I held my arms because I don't know I've always been sub, like self-conscious about my upper arm fat and if I hold it one way I'm like it looks more and anyway so I would just always like keep my elbows slightly bent huh. and yeah huh. always even when I was like much skinnier in high school it was just like a constant thing I worried about yeah all these worries about how you look and no one else, you know, like, people saw my arms, I'm sure, but, like, no one else noticed or cared the position they were in except for me. So, yeah. It also helped having more life experiences, mm-hmm. seeing people at different stages doing different things and being yeah. like, oh, pe- people are like me. <laughs> like, yeah. you have this weird notion that like, you're so weird. And everyone else has got it together and is so normal. Yeah, and put together, and then you come to these realizations that everyone is just like you. Mm-hmm. Everyone accidentally has like a booger hanging out of their nose sometimes, or they laugh yeah. and it comes out, and you see it, and it's not that big a deal to you, so you know it's not going to be that big of a deal to them, and then you move on. Yeah, and if it is a big deal to somebody, they're just an immature asshole, and they're the ones that should feel bad about themselves. Yeah, so you know, you just get on with life. Yeah. And so with healthy self-esteem comes the ability to forget (laughs) about the worries. Yeah. Because you're just like, ah, it's good. (laughs) And then you can focus on other things. (laughs) But we're talking a lot about, like, our physical appearance and how we feel about ourselves physically. Because that was important to us as young women growing up. It was the number one concern. I'm moving on to a stage in my life where I worry about my intelligence and my knowledge Mm. and how I come across to others like in terms of what respect I can earn through who I am as a person and I get worried about that sometimes because I had a very very bad education in both world geography and world history I just it didn't it didn't go well because of one thing or another another so like I don't know where anything is located on a map Like, it's really sad. I took world geography for four weeks the summer before ninth grade, and I got my entire credit. And I don't know where anything is, and it makes me very self-conscious. Luckily, it's never come up. Someone's never been like, oh, yeah, we'll point this out on a map, because I couldn't. 
Yeah. Would that be the thing that wrecked you? Probably not. <laughs> I have too high self-esteem to care that much, but I'm like, I but, want to yeah. I want to know because I know I should know. And well, I don't feel like it's that important, though. Like, these days, you can just look up anything. I don't know. But I do get, like, not wanting to seem foolish in front of others. Mm-hmm. And I also worry about, like, I have not read many books since college, mm. and I've been trying so desperately to, like carve out a time to do it because apparently without a structured yeah. way to do it I'm just not going to do it because I like reading but it just seems bad to not be reading regularly I'm going to lose the vocabulary and I'm going to lose my writing ability and all of these things it's okay we're going to go to grad school <laughs> and then we'll have to read everything forever yeah anyway <laughs> anywho grad school's good for your brain yeah is there any <laughs> other sort of vision of yourself that you're trying to work on besides physically do you have like emotional or spiritual or whatever sort of things that you are like working on within yourself yeah i mean always i worry about like am i am i being a good enough person to other people or i really i worry about my job like am i doing my job well and i want to you know be worthwhile in the space <laughs> so yeah but i feel like that's the kind of low level worry that just makes me do a good job yeah you need a little bit of care and shame mm -hmm. and anxiety like a little bit to make sure that you're like staying on top of things Yes. <sighs> yes. I would say my relationship with myself has always been one of trying to be more, which I am thankful for. It must have been my teachers instilling that in me at a young age or maybe even my scary mother. Yeah. Just like <laughs> try. And so I feel like that has carried on and I always want to do more and try more and be better. And so I don't ever like I may be cocky. But I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be like, oh, I'm as good as I'll ever be, sort of cocky. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, like, get too comfortable Stagnant. and stop. Yeah. You should always be working on yourself. Yeah. In some respect, and that can look like so many things. Yeah, for different people, everyone's at different places. And like we said earlier, your mental health can mm. do all sorts of things with where you're at and where you're going. Yeah, I mean, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, working on yourself could be, like, getting out of bed and brushing your teeth that day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone's in their place. Yes, everyone is doing what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is to try. Yeah, just keep trying. Yeah. And maybe check in with a trusted friend. How how am I presenting as myself? And if they're your friend, they'll tell you good stuff. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Well, unless you need to hear bad yeah. stuff. A good friend will also <laughs> tell you the truth. The truth. <laughs> okay. okay. I think we've covered the self in all sorts of ways. Yeah. I have an idea, a segue. Okay. So our next thing is professional relationships. Mm -hmm. But regarding the self, do you have any experience with imposter syndrome in the workplace? You know, like, being mm -hmm. at your job and feeling like, oh, fuck, I'm not qualified for this job. Why did they hire me? I'm just going to have to fake it. Uh, <laughs> no. No, you never had that? Even it's... when you, like, first started teaching and you're like, oh, shit, I'm in a high school? No, this is the exact same way it went with, like, from high school to college. Mm -hmm. I was so well prepared oh. that it was, like, I had been practicing it 
student teaching... Katie with the good education. Yeah. <laughs> so student teaching really did prepare me for a lot of what I was going to do. Because for student teaching, it was a semester of being in a classroom 40 plus hours a week. Mm-hmm. And generally, for a big chunk of it, like, you're doing it. Not not the whole time. Like, they, they try to kind of let you work your way into it yeah. but past a certain point they're like you're the teacher now <laughs> like i had my um <laughs> my oh what is he called the actual teacher i forget your... mentor teacher yeah. whatever he um had to go do something and so i was in charge not the substitute the substitute just had to be there for legal reasons yeah but like i ran the classroom and the substitute was just sitting over there like, I took attendance. I did everything while he was gone. I was the teacher. So I'm impressed you didn't have any imposters. You're so young. You started so young. Yes, I started teaching. I turned 22 the first day of school that I taught. <laughs> but like I said, I don't know. I had had months of student teaching, and so I had yeah. been doing it. And I feel like working my way into it with the mentor teacher, like, really helped me not feel like that interesting but apparently <laughs> you have had those feelings do tell oh um i mean just a bit like i don't know i went through a whole thing where when i graduated from college i was like i'm not ready for an adult job i don't want to have an adult job i remember that yeah and then when i started it just i mean it took a while to get used to because like i had had jobs but not like like, my first job out of college was teaching at a Montessori school, and I was like, oh, this is, I'm doing the thing, and, like, clocking in out of school every day, like, there was a bit of, like, I'm not a teacher, I'm still a kid. Oh. Yeah. It was, yeah. we both basically had to go through the same things, but I was very well prepared for it, like, yeah, real life prepared for it, <laughs> and you did not have that same, like, because you had to observe classrooms and observe children, but... Like, a little bit. Yeah, like, like, a little bit. I knew all about kids and their development, and I knew how to, you know, care for a child, but I had never, like, practiced teaching Yeah. before I started. I, guess I started as an assistant teacher, so it wasn't like, you know, go make lesson plans or anything. Yeah. But, yeah, it was still, like kind of like a culture shock of being and like I'm in the workplace now. Hmm. Mine didn't feel like a workplace, it felt like a school. <laughs> so yeah. it felt like weird. just on the other side of it. Yeah, it was on it, it was on the other side. It felt very familiar and very, I don't know. Like there was a little bit of an adjustment period because some of the other teachers were mean to me. Yeah. Um and there were aspects of my job that I guess I wasn't prepared for, that I was not qualified for, that I had to do. Um I didn't feel like an imposter though. I felt like I was getting ripped off. Yeah, that is something they do to teachers. <laughs> yes, they do try and like take advantage of you. Not, I don't know. It's not like the principal or the assistant principal, but it's just like the, the system. system. <laughs> the system is trying to take advantage of you. Yes. So that, but I, I didn't feel like an imposter. I felt like, I felt like me. And mm -hmm. I felt 
pretty good about what I was doing. I, I guess because I always had things that I could be proud of because at my first school, no matter like, like I f- I'm impressed with what I did yeah. and how I left the school. She made a whole yearbook and she wasn't even trained to be the yearbook teacher. <laughs> yeah. And they told For the me, whole district. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you go into a job and they're like, well, we know you're qualified to do art and be an art teacher because that's your certification and your degree, but you're going to have to do journalism and photography. Okay. Okay, and you're going to have to do the yearbook. Okay. And then later on, they're like, by the way, it's the district yearbook after you've already signed the contract. Yeah. So I was able to feel proud of myself, and I I did give myself a lot of leniency because I was like, ah, the bar has been set very low. So just me doing what I normally do is, like, exceeding expectations. (laughs) Also, like, as a first-year teacher, I feel like people have to cut you some slack in some areas. Some people didn't, and those people got what was coming to them, (laughs) but everyone else was very, like, supportive, yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like, professional Mm relationship-wise, and myself, this is the first time in my life where I'm, like, kind of just taking a step back and just doing a whatever kind of job, and it's been going well. It's very, um, low stakes, and I'm enjoying that. (laughs) Good. So, how have your professional relationships with others and your coworkers, how has that gone? Well, um, I've had good and bad relationships with coworkers, but I think what's interesting about working in childcare is you're you're not just working with your coworkers, you're working with the children but also the families of the children. So you have to relate to the parents and the siblings and I don't know. It just feels very, like, family-focused. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting because every family has a dynamic, and you got to you gotta figure that out. But I kind of, like I've referenced before, I'm a nanny now, and I kind of like, you know, going, going to work with a family every day, and it's like, I don't know. It, it sounds, sounds nice. Yeah. It sounds... Like, I'm sure it has its own sort of complicatedness, mm-hmm. but it's not a corporation and it's not like a system. It's Yeah. It's smaller. Yeah. It's kind of toned down into a more, I don't know, easier to digest. Like, instead of it being like, well, the boss from the boss from the state wants you to do this. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like this person is asking for this and you're like okay got it yeah it it makes more sense where everything is coming from there's almost there's rarely contradictions (laughs) yeah but yeah i will say when i was teaching i had to go through a learning period of what you can and can't say to parents (laughs) which i feel like i don't know i don't know whose job it was to teach me that but i felt ill prepared for that part I don't think you can be prepared for that because parents are people and at the end of the day, they're basically, they see themselves as the customers and you're providing them a service. And so they feel that they are in charge. And if they're not getting what they want from you, Mm -hmm. then it is affecting the most important thing to them, which is their child. Yeah. And they, they can love you or they can hate you or they can feel all sorts of ways and they will feel justified. 
Yeah. No, that's the thing is, like, you're not watching a project for somebody or, like, managing an account. It's, like, the most important thing in their world, their child. And it's like, yeah, we trust you with them. It's, yeah, it can be a lot, but I like it. Hmm. Uh, how are your workplace relationships? Well, that besides that hiccup, my first year teaching, within the first two weeks a very brief encounter with a very mean coach. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it has been pretty great. Like, my first district, I did have a few teacher friends. They were, like, acquaintances, but we would try and hang out at school functions. Like, you Mm -hmm. have your people that you sit with and you talk with the most. You gotta have someone to sit with. Yeah, you gotta gotta have someone to sit with. That's that's always how it is. And then um, at my second district... I was pretty close with my team because it was a bigger Mm -hmm. school and so you had an art team Mm -hmm. and we never like hung out hung out my first year in that district but like kept close ish yeah i don't know close enough a comfortable working acquaintanceship relationship and then everything changed (laughs) when melissa came into the picture melissa melissa my lead teacher my second year at my new district and so she was like a boss but more of like she's called the team lead because she's Mm -hmm. supposed to lead everyone and coordinate everything that the team is doing so I like to think of her as my boss but that's probably not like (laughs) not what she is more More manager yeah a manager leader kind of the person to decide where we're going with things Mm -hmm. and I remember meeting her before school started and being like, ah, this is your new lead. And we spent the whole day together doing all of our professional developments and talking. And it was almost immediately easy to talk to her. And we had a lot in common. And we were talking and laughing and joking and eating food. And it was easy. Well, and before, wasn't your team, like, two older guys and you? So y'all weren't going to be, like, buds (laughs) Yeah, they were very into, like... Sports and beer and things like that. (laughs) Katie's favorite. (laughs) Not my favorites. So, yeah, I would never be able to relate to them with anything except for probably art. But with Melissa, we had a lot in common. Mm -hmm. We had similar circumstances growing up and similar likes and dislikes. So we we got close. We're friends. Yeah. Aren't we, Melissa? (laughs) Y'all are real friends because you're not at that job anymore and you're still friends yeah we still talk like once a week and we've hung out at her house and we've babysat her child Mm -hmm. and so we're friend friends it has moved beyond the professional relationship of being co-workers into a friendship and i have to say working with your friends depending on the situation is so nice it is so much better than working with someone who you don't get along with or someone you find it hard to talk to it's just so much easier to face problems when you're like coming from the same place oh yeah i don't i've never had a workplace friend i'd say i've had workplace acquaintances who i really liked or like people i didn't work with all the time that i thought were really cool and nice but Not anyone that I, you know, really considered a good friend or whatever, like, hang out with outside of work. Well, I got one. (laughs) Yeah. How do I make a work friend, Katie? Um, It's all luck of the draw because 
depending on where you're at and how much time you spend with these people, because it's like high school, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get put with these people and you see them for eight hours a day and they are not the people you would choose normally, which is groundbreaking when you leave high school. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, maybe I didn't want to be friends with them, but you know, you're with them all the time. So that's kind of what it's like to be with coworkers is, you know, generally, hopefully, it's like fine. And yeah. they're your acquaintance and you can talk to them when you need to and you can talk to them like during breaks and stuff and talk to them about work. But there is going to have to be something probably a little more special or you need to have things a little more in common. Yeah. To be able to break through that threshold of acquaintance to friendship. So, listeners, do you have any good professional relationships or bad professional relationships? I feel like um, a lot of people hate the people they work with. Yeah. I've been in, like, tense workplace relationships, and that's the worst. Yeah. So, it's like, if you have to be in a room with somebody and you know they don't like you. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> no. I haven't had to deal with that much I try and be as pleasant as possible and yeah. as suck-up-y as possible. That's that's <laughs> the thing is I suck up so hard to people and yeah. it, it's really been working for me because <laughs> being disliked, I think it's one of the things that would like break me and yeah. mess with my self-esteem is just someone outwardly not liking me. Yeah. It would be hard to reconcile with myself that's not good <laughs> but i will say i am in a very good work environment now i feel like heard and respected and liked oh important yeah <laughs> important whenever you're spending however many hours of your life mm -hmm. doing these things you need to feel appreciated yeah oh definitely <laughs> thank a child care worker or teacher in your life counselor do All it. those people do it because <laughs> they need to feel appreciated. Well, especially right now. Ooh, teachers, I don't... I feel like we both quit teaching just in time. Yeah. The person who was my replacement has already quit because yeah. they don't want the death sentence that is teaching in a classroom in the fall. Because for some yeah. people who are, you know, immunocompromised or have other risk factors, yeah, getting the virus could be deadly yeah no to some people much so. to some people it could be deadly or it could be deadly to their elderly parent mm -hmm. or anyone related to them or anyone they live with or anyone mm -hmm. they come into contact with so yep so anyway like we said we asked too much of teachers <laughs> yeah and yeah mad respect if you're gonna be teaching and be well <laughs> yes be well take care of yourself as much as you can I know situations are different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we both were in a situation where we could quit our job and yeah. find a new one and be okay. <sighs> oh, well, is that... Did we do it? it? Professional relationships and relationships with the self? Yeah. Uh, let us know if you talk to yourself. Yeah, I want to know these people who, like, talk to themselves out loud. I know a few uh, people who do. I don't always do it out loud, but if I, like, need to think, I'll, like thinks a specific thought to myself as if I'm talking out loud. Yeah, I know what you mean. But there are people who talk out loud. Yeah. Like, a lot. Or, like, look in the mirror and talk to yourself. I can't do that. I, yeah, I wouldn't like that. 
I'd just be looking at my face too much. Yeah. But yeah, people do that. Yeah. Let us know, listeners. Are you one of those people who like does positive affirmations in the mirror and you can do it with a straight face and take it seriously and it helps you? Because I don't think we are those people. <laughs> And we want to hear about it. Yeah, let us know how you relate to yourself and also professional things. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your professional work relationships and maybe how they have changed depending on your job or depending on your situation. Yeah, did you score a work friend? Yeah, did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you? <laughs> let us know at gstbfbf at gmail.com or on Instagram at gstbfpod. Yep, that's it. That's it. Kidding, you thought that was over. This has been generally specific topics between friends. Best friends. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>